Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. At some point in your life, you will discover things about yourself that you don't like. We call this period of your life middle school. <laughs> in this period, you discover things like, my nose is too big, my ears are weird, I'm too thin, I'm too fat, I'm, I'm too something. And, and there's all these things about us that we just go, oh, this is awkward, I wish I wasn't like this, and I wish I was different, I wish I was something other than who I am. And hopefully, for, for most of us, what happens is we grow to accept those things or understand those things or put those things in some good context and we get to realize that we are okay who we are and, and that, that kind of thing. And that's a healthy thing. But as we get older, there are other things we start to, to discover about ourselves that we, that we don't like. Um, and, and usually it, it, it comes with the word again. So we say things like, oh man, I got into a bad relationship again. I lost my temper with my kid Again, I looked at porn. Again, I quit on that thing. Again, I slept in through my alarm. Again, I skipped my workout. Again, right? And we run into those things and we go, man, I just don't like these things about myself. And one solution that our culture sort of offers for all of that, because we all feel that, our culture will offer a solution that is something like radical acceptance. It's something like, no, no, don't worry about those things. Like, you're perfect the way you are. You're wonderful. And, and if anyone tells you you're not wonderful and perfect, just cut the haters out of your life. Like, and there's memes for this, right? Like, just, just don't worry about those. They can't handle you and your unique wonderfulness and all of that kind of thing. Like, we say that stuff. And, and the idea is just radically accept the way you are in all its forms and, and it'll be better for you. And, and, and we have all sorts of words and language that we use to justify that. We say like, oh, well, you know, fine, porn is just helping me explore my sexuality. It's not a big deal. Or, or yeah, I eat a lot, but man, you got to live, and I want to enjoy my life, and I understand that, so if I eat unhealthy food, that's fine. I just want to enjoy my life. And so we use all this language. But I think no matter how much we try to justify what we are doing and how much language of acceptance we put around it, I think at the end of the day, there are still things inside of us that we want to change and that we know are not great. And no amount of language of acceptance can help us when we run into those things. And I say this about you, even though I don't know all of you personally. I would say that even in you, even if you accept most everything, uh, inside of you there's this thing that says, I want to change, I want to grow, I want to transform. I don't want to be like this forever. I'd like to be a little bit like something else, or I'd like to become something. I think that's actually the human condition. Uh, that, that's how I know it about you. I think that is the way God hardwired us to be, to have the incredible capacity for new growth and transformation and a strong desire to do it. And I, and I think we're kind of unique that way. I, I don't think dogs and cats or horses or pelicans walk around going, I just wish I was more, and I wish there was more to this. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem to be that way. This seems to be a uniquely a human thing, and God has wired us this way. In fact, I read that the human brain 
can have a new thought every second for 300 million years. That's a lot of capacity we have in there. Why do we need all that? I don't know, right? Maybe if eternity's a thing, maybe we're going to use it, right? Maybe there's a reason for that. But it, it, it's incredible what we can do and what, what we can accomplish and the way God has, has wired us to be. I think it's a, a pretty profound thing. And so I want to talk about uh, change and growth and transformation. It's a, it's a topic that's very important to me. It's, I think it's important to a lot of us. It's something I talk about a lot. And to do it, I want to talk about Jesus and how he leads us in that. And I want us to take a look at his life and what he did and how he talked and things he said and where he went. And we're going to follow him around for four months. So starting now and going through August, we're going to follow Jesus around and, and look very closely at his, at his life as he walks around through the, the book of Luke in the New Testament for four chapters, just walking through four chapters, as he walked around the Sea of Galilee and he taught people and he helped people. Um, and we're going to look at what, what he taught and how it can change us. And let me lay my cards out up front. I believe that we are, if we are followers of Jesus, we have been baptized into him, we have given our life to Christ, we are citizens of this unseen kingdom, the kingdom of God that exists outside of political uh, realms, outside of state lines, outside of all that stuff. We're in the kingdom of God, and it is a real thing, and we are supposed to be following King Jesus and uh, being obedient to him. We're supposed to follow him. We are supposed to be his apprentice, learning from Jesus to become like Jesus. Uh, Another way of saying apprentice is we're supposed to be his disciple. So really for four months I want to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Let me give you a working definition up front of what a disciple of Jesus is. It's this. A disciple of Jesus is someone who spends time with Jesus in order to become like who he is and to do what he does. That's it. A disciple of Jesus, you hang out with him so you can become like him and do the things he would do if he was in your shoes. That's, that's the basis of apprenticeship, discipleship. Now, before I get into how we do that with Jesus, I want to talk about just how we do that in general. How we are shaped as people, how we are formed in, in culture at large. And then we'll talk about kind of the Jesus side of this. The truth is we are all becoming something. We are all being formed and shaped, and we are becoming something. So you will be something five years from now. And I don't just mean like your face and and all that. Yes, all of that's going to be formed in some ways by how you live and how much sun you get and, you know, what you eat and all that kind of stuff. But you are also our souls and our character and and what we believe and, and what we take a stand for and what we will do and not do and how that affects us. All of that is being shaped and formed Um, in our culture. And I think primarily there are four things that shape us that that decide and and form who we are becoming. Number one, we are, um, oh, actually, let me me just tell you this way. I I meant to tell you this. Um, A quick way of saying a disciple is be, become, do. So we are going to be with Jesus to become like he was and do what he did. So we are being shaped by four things. Number one is this. We are, we are formed by the stories that we believe. We are formed by stories more than we are formed by facts. You believe a lot of facts. You and I believe a lot of things. Oh, yes, this is true. 
but the stories are more like the interpretation that we put on the facts, and we are formed and shaped by those interpretations, what we think about what is going on. Uh, a, a story, then, is in a sense, is a way of relating to a fact. So a fact may be, I lost my job this week. That could be a fact for you. It's undeniable. It's unarguable. You had a job. You no longer have it. Fact. The story you tell about what that means makes all the difference. So if it's, I lost a job, and the story is, this is the worst thing that could happen. Why did this have to happen now? I can't believe this is happening. What am I going to do? I'm in big trouble. This is a mess. All of that is a way of relating to the one fact, you lost your job. Another way of relating to that fact is, finally, I'm out of there, um, and, and now I can start the thing I've been wanting to do, and now I can make some changes, and I'm going to look back on this as the greatest day of my life, or, or something like that, right? Again, not facts. Those are stories that we believe that about the facts. And which of those stories that you lean into will very much shape who you will become, it, the, the, Relating to the fact is, is, a, is a big, big deal. And so the stories are the things that end up shaping us. A story we have, we have a lot of them in America, right? And, and every culture has this. But in our country, we have stories about what it means to be American, what does it mean to be a citizen, what does it mean to be a Richmonder or, 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 or a Goochlander or wherever, you know, like what does it mean to be these things? We have those stories that we tell. And then we have stories that are, that are, uh, really big, right, that, that we talk about um, the enlightenment or the value of science or those sort of things. So, for example, a story we believe is, is about, like, macroevolution, okay? So we can say, okay, humanity has evolved over billions of years, millions and billions of years from a single-cell organism to multi-cell organisms to um, eventually, like, fish, and then those things crawled out into land, and there were birds and all these things, and then there were like monkeys, and eventually they stood more upright, and they became homo erectus, this, this humanoid kind of thing, and then we became people, and we developed a consciousness, and then we created fire, and then we created the internet, and here we are, and this is, this is basically like the story, right? Um, and that is, uh, there's facts in there, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not mocking that, right? But there's a lot of story in there, too. There's a lot of interpretation of, well, we think this means this, and this means this. And if we believe that story, if we believe this is where we came from, and then some of the things we might believe related to that are, um, I'm basically just an evolved animal. And so I have animal instincts. And so if I function like an animal, that's okay, because at the end of the day, I'm basically just an animal, right? Well, how does that shape how we treat one another? How would that shape what we believe about sex, for example. Oh, it's just an animal instinct for fun, pleasure, recreation, reproduction, something like that. If we will believe that because of the story that we believe about who we are and where we ultimately came from. Um, and, 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 and those stories shape us. Now, there are lots of stories like that. Some are good and some are bad. And the truth is that whether we think a story is good or bad, that too comes from a story, what we believe to be good, what we believe to be bad. For example, um, a lot of people in this room would probably say we should be kind. Kindness is everything, right? That's a, that's a phrase thrown out there. Or, or, or at least kindness is not, if it's not everything, it's really good, right? Like we should be kind. You should be kind. We teach this to kids. I should be kind. You've learned this since you were in kindergarten. We should all be kind. 
The idea that you should be kind is a story that we tell about reality, and we say kind, good, unkind, bad. And I'm not advocating we all go out and be unkind, but what I would say is it's not evident from nature that we should be, uh, that we should be kind. That's not, like, really obvious. Because if you look at the animal kingdom, it's extremely unkind to each other. And it, it, it sure seems like unkind jerks get ahead in life in some ways sometimes, don't they? And so you wouldn't conclude by looking at the world objectively that kind is the way to go, but it's a story that we tell, and those stories shape us. Hopefully, they shape us to be more kind. So the stories we believe shape us. The second thing that shapes us is this, the habits we lean into. You and I have habits that, that shape us every day. Um, you, you brush your teeth every morning, the kind of foods that you eat, the the way you approach your work at your job that's maybe habitual, uh, your usage of social media might be habitual. There are things we do every single day for minutes to hours a day, and, that, and those things shape you. Who you will be five years from now is being set by those things you do every single day, a little bit at a time. Over time, they add up, and you become something um, in the long haul. There's tremendous power in habits. There's people are writing all about this. There's a book, The Power of Habit, um, Atomic Habits. A lot of people are writing about this, and there's a lot of good stuff uh, out there. And they're, and they're all telling us, man, habits are a big, big deal. Not the lofty, grand goals, but the little things we do every day. And it's, it's, it's how we learn. If you want to learn a language, you're going to have to do that with a habit of practicing a little bit each day. If you want to lose 10 pounds, it's a habit around food. If you want to run a race, that's a habit around running. If you want to read 20 books, that's going to be a habit about how much you read each day. If you want to plan for retirement, that's going to be a habit about how you spend or save money. Um, all of these things show up in our habits, and, and the habits form us. Uh, they're, they're huge, and we, and we don't always notice them because they're small, but they, they really add up, and we are becoming something based on the habits we lean into. Third thing that, that forms us is the relationships we are involved in. Uh, you've probably heard this. I've mentioned it before. Jim Rohn, uh, speaker, he says, you are the average of, the, of your five closest friends. So the five people you spend the most time with, they are, you, you're somewhere in the middle there. You are like them in many ways. Now, if you're like, man, my five friends, I mean, if I think about it, they're kind of knuckleheads. Guess what you are? <laughs> you're an average knucklehead. You're right there in the middle of them. Like, um, but this is just true, and you see this over and over. Uh, the people you spend time with end up shaping who you become. So if you hang out with people who are all like super into fitness, guess what you're going to get into? Fitness. If you hang out with people that like that their thing is, oh, we love Bridgerton, we need to watch Bridgerton, you're going to watch Bridgerton because they're all doing it. Like we are all shaped by the relationships that we're involved in. It's just, it's reality. Um, and, and so we need to pay attention to this because sometimes the people around us are shaping us to become something great and sometimes they're not. If everybody around you eats cheese fries, you're going to eat cheese fries and they're delicious. I understand, but like just notice who we're around and how that shapes us. We're all formed by that. And finally, uh, or actually, no, let me give you the scripture with that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul says this, do not be deceived Bad company ruins good morals. This is exactly what your mom told you when she was afraid of the friends you were hanging out as a teenager. Uh, th this idea that, and let's, do not be deceived, Paul says, let's not kid ourselves. You have to look closely at the people you're hanging out with. This is true of friendships. This is true of dating, marriage. Um, I have seen so many people 
love Jesus and, and want to follow God and then date someone who doesn't love Jesus or want to follow God and then they just go, you know what, I'm not going to love Jesus or follow God anymore, I'm just going to be with this person because uh, those close relationships end up shaping us and they can sometimes push out other things that are in our lives. So if you're going to be transformed, we need to examine who we are spending time with. This doesn't mean you cut everyone out. doesn't mean you just like cull your friends list and, 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 and cut everybody out, but, but it does mean we should examine this closely. Where is our time spent? Um, how much time are we spending with, with people? Um, and we, we do look very closely. When we're, when we're children, uh, we are primarily formed by our parents. When we are young adults, we are primarily formed by our peers. As we get older, if we get married, we will primarily be formed by our spouse. Um, these are things we need to look very closely at. Who are your people um, and, and how are they forming you? So the third thing we're formed by relationships, finally this, we are formed by the environment we live in. So let me just name some of the environments that we're in right now and how they form us. One environment we all share is America. We live in America. And with that, there are that, that environment shapes us in a certain way. We have beliefs that we think are self-evident. We think our, we even say that in our document, but we have beliefs that we just go, okay, I'm American, therefore I have these sort of beliefs about freedom, about consent, about um, control, about autonomy, uh, about um, what is good, what is right, about happiness and why we should pursue it. Like we have these beliefs that kind of come baked in that are sort of in the air in the environment that we are in. As Americans, these are things we believe. Now, if I take it another level, we are, for many of us, we live in the city of Richmond. Now that's gonna come with a set of beliefs too. Richmond will form you and shape you to be a certain thing. So if you live in Richmond long enough, you're gonna get a fixed gear bike or a moped or you're gonna get picky about coffee. Like there are just things that show, you'll probably, you'll start voting Democrat, you'll put one of those in this house we believe signs in your yard. Like these are things that come along with just living in the city. Now, not everybody lives in the city, I understand that. So if you live in Hanover County, you've got your own version of that, right? You're gonna, I don't know, join the tea party and buy the tomatoes. I don't know, you're gonna do a thing out there that's, that's and, and, and I'm not saying that stuff's good or bad. I'm just saying notice what is. Notice that over time, we are shaped and we become like these things that surround us, this environment that we're in. Now, you're gonna protest and you're gonna say, not me. I live in the city, I'm not like that at all. I live in Hanover and I'm way cooler than the tomato people, you know, whatever. Like you're gonna have, you're gonna think that it, this, you're gonna think what I'm saying applies to everybody else but not you because you're an individual and you've, you think differently and you're unique, which is a very American thing of you to think, um, right? But you're, we're gonna say this and you're going, I'm not like those people. And, and I, I feel that way. I am, I am in many ways not like the average Richmonder until I visit my friends in the Midwest. And then I sound like an average Richmonder. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I guess we do kind of get into that. And yeah, sorry, you know, whatever. Like, so, so we are all shaped by those environments that, that we live in. And so I want us to notice that because those same environments are going to be what help us become like Christ. And we need to examine those and see where we're at. So let me, let me 
talk about those same environments, but, but from perspective of, of faith. If we are trying to grow to be like Christ, the, the old word for this would have been sanctification. The Holy Spirit works on us from the inside out and forms us to be like Christ. Uh, a way we might say it now is just like spiritual formation. There is a process that we go through that transforms us and shapes us to become like Christ. And all of us go through it. Um, and so it, it follows a similar pattern. First of all, the stories that we believe. If you read the New Testament, uh, the letters in the New Testament, so letters Paul wrote, so after the Gospels and the book of Acts, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, after that you're gonna have a whole bunch of letters that were written. And these letters typically follow this pattern. They have an introduction. Hey, this is Paul. Greetings to you guys over here through this group. Um, and then Paul or Peter or, or anyone, James, writing these letters, they will typically, they're going to unpack a lot of beliefs, a lot of doctrine. God was like this, and Jesus did this, and, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. All these things, all these things are going to be unpacked for a couple chapters. And then towards the end of the letters, there will be a switch, and it'll switch to practices or habits or here's how we live this out. And it'll almost always have the word therefore. It'll be like, we believe this, this, and this about God. We believe this about the resurrection. Therefore, live this way. Act this way. Treat your spouse this way. Treat sex this way. Treat money this way. Employees and, and, and employers act this way. All of this stuff is an implication of what we believe. So it always starts with, this is what we believe, and then this is what we do. So the stories that we believe um, matter a, a great deal. Second Peter, let's just give you an example. The guy Peter wrote, one of the apostles. Let me just read to you the beginning of his letter and let me just tell you a couple things that jump out at me as I read it because this is exactly the kind of thing when you're reading the Bible on your own and you go home and you go, let me read this. You're just gonna, you're just gonna read through this and you're gonna be like, blah, 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 blah. What's he talking about, right? But let me just, just a couple things that jump out. Second Peter, this is the way he starts his letter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, one way to read that is to sort of go, Simon Peter, blah, 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 to you guys, you're great, okay, cool. And that's about what you got out of it, right? But if you actually look at what's being said there, Simon Peter, and he says, Peter, and he refers to himself as an apostle, these guys are a big deal. They, they've named an entire square after this guy in Rome today. It's still there. His bones are buried. There's like a whole thing about Peter in Rome. He's a big deal. Spiritual giant in the history of the world, this guy. He's writing the letter. Who's he writing it to? To a group of people, and we would be included in this, a group of people who he says, who have obtained a standing before God as good as ours. So one of the spiritual giants of the world is saying, hey, you guys, you're like me. You're in it too. Your faith is, is as good as mine. Why? Well, not because you've bought your way into it, not because you're so charitable, not because you've done a bunch of good deeds, not because you've been really kind to people, none of those things. He says the reason you are righteous before God is because of Jesus, what he has done on your behalf. It is not your awesomeness, it is you are made right before God because of Jesus. That's good news. That's a, that's a true, now is it a story about the facts? Totally. But it doesn't mean it's not true. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what we believe. 
this is what's going on. God has done something for us. Look, listen to as he continues. Listen to what he says. Talking about God. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Look, you can read that and blow through all of that and just go blah, 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 who cares? Or you can hang on every word and dig into it. There is so much there. God's divine power, like the power of God, is at work in me and you? What does that mean? What We should just stop there and just be like, whoa, this is a big deal. This, God is doing this in us? And what is that power doing? Do I get, do I get, will I know the lottery numbers this weekend? Like, do I get to, like, are there cool tricks I can do? He goes, no, it's, it's illuminating you. It's giving you knowledge. You're, you're getting understanding. You get to be a partaker, it says, of the divine nature. There's something godly that you are dialed into here. And he talks about escaping the corruption of the world. Do you have any doubt that the world is pretty corrupt? I mean, you watch the news, you read the social media feed, you know what's going on, right? There's some real broken stuff out there. And he says, God's gonna give us his power to escape that corruption that is in the world. Why? Sinful desires is what he said. Oh, okay, I have sinful desires, I get it. I know what that is. Like, this is teaching us a truth and a story about the truth of the world. And it's telling us this is what's actually going on with humanity. This is your struggle, my struggle. This is really what's happening. And let me just ask you, do you believe all that when you read that? Because if you're a Christian, this is the game. This is a different view from the mainstream culture. American stories are not necessarily our stories if you're a follower of Jesus. There may be some overlap and there may not. American ideals that would drive us towards this understanding of freedom or this understanding of nationalism or consumerism or any of those, those may not be Christian ideals. They just might be the ones that are in the environment that we're in. So we have to evaluate all of them by this new lens. Does this draw me closer to Christ? Is this helping me be his disciple? What does it mean to follow and obey Jesus in this? It's an entirely different set of questions. So there are different stories we believe in. The scripture teaches those to us. It teaches us the gospel. And it also teaches us to lean into different habits. Look at what Peter says next, verse five. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. If you pursue those things, you will have to lean into some habits to get there, to become more knowledgeable about God, to become more self-controlled, to be unshakable and sort of steadfast. All of these things, if you're going to go after those things, you're going to have to lean into habits that are going to look very different. 
That's what it's calling us to, to, to do those things, to pursue those things, to be aggressively going after them. Did you see on that list anywhere where it talked about crypto? No. Which is weird because if I grab a group of guys right now, if I was like, let's go look at a fire pit, we talk about crypto. They can talk about it for a lot. Like, people want to talk about this stuff. It's very exciting. Crypto. There's nothing on that list about it. There's nothing on that list about getting rich, about being happy, about raising good kids. There's nothing on there. All these things that we're after. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying maybe there's another list we need to dial into. Maybe pursuing virtue and self-control and knowledge and godliness and steadfastness. If we're going to get serious about that stuff, we're going to have to do some different things than get together and, and exchange tips on crypto. Right? It's, it's a different set of habits that we have to lean into. This is why we teach on this. This is why this last series we did on Fast and Slow, we talked about spiritual habits of solitude and, and silence and praying and fasting and voluntarily giving up some things for, for so some other things could happen. This is why we talk about that stuff. This is why we will continue to talk about it. It's because those things are habits we can engage in that help us follow Jesus around and become like, like him. Um, because if we don't do those things intentionally, we will unintentionally be formed primarily by our smartphone. Right? I mean, that sounds weird, but I mean, they're doing studies like humanity has learned to stand upright, and I don't know, in 50 years, we're all going to stand like this. Like, and they're going to be like, you've got neck problems, and like, we're already seeing some of this stuff, right? We are being formed physically and mentally and spiritually by our phones. That's what's happening now. And it's weird to say that because like a dozen years ago, I, it, if I had said that, it wouldn't have made sense at all. But this is where we are. So we're gonna follow Jesus around these next four months. And I'm gonna read you things Jesus said from Luke four through Luke eight and look at things that Jesus did. And here's the truth. It will be jarring. Some of the words, some of the exact things word for word that Jesus said I will read them to you, and it will be jarring. And I know this because I've been reading it since January, the, these same passages, and it's been jarring for me. And I'm like, oof, that's, that's rough, Jesus. And here's the deal. It's not because what Jesus teaches is bad. It's because our sense of what is good or bad has actually just been formed by our phones. And so when we come to this, it's so out of left field. We're like, whoa. What is he saying? Our framework for good and bad is set by Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. And so if we drink those things in for hours a day and we come to the scripture and we read about this Jewish carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago and walked around the Sea of Galilee and taught, it's going to rock our world a little bit because it's so different. So the habits we lean into form us. Third, the relationships we are involved in will form us towards Christ. This is one of the reasons we have a church. You can read the Bible on your own. You can study scripture. You can pray on your own. You could fast on your own. There's, you, there's lots of things you could do on your own, but you can't learn the value of community on your own. You're going to have to be in with other people and connected. This is why the church exists. We, we say we want to help people find God, you know, connect to God, find, find their people, and, and change the world. We want to build a place where we stand together living counterculturally um, in this world, which means we're not in here to sound exactly like America does. 
We're in here to do something different. We're kingdom people. We're trying to walk a different road. And we need other people. We need to encourage each other. We need other people who are like, hey, do you believe this guy came back from the dead? That's crazy. I believe it too. Let's believe it together. We'll be, we'll be crazy together. Whatever. Like, we're, we, we do this. We, we ask you to get in a small group. We ask you to, uh, some sort of formation group. We, we, we do events like Pollen Fest that we're doing today just so we can get people to get to know each other and meet each other. We do summer fun events. We do uh, seminars and different things so that we can grow and learn more about God and so that we can connect to each other because the relationships matter. The relationships that we're in, this matters and it's a, it's a big deal and we wanna help you find your people who will walk with you in faith. And I'm talking about people that will encourage you when you're down, who will rebuke you when you're a little too proud, who will carry a heavy burden with you when you're carrying something too heavy. Uh, people like that, that's what we're trying to, to form here in the church. Um, it's, it's a big deal. And, and, and it's important and, and it shapes us. Um, if you are married, uh, how long did it take for you to figure out after getting married that you're selfish? Was it the next day? Did you get a week? Did you get a month? Like, how long did you get? Wasn't long, right? This is, this is what newlyweds find out really quickly. You're like, oh, wait a second. Like, this was... Because what happens is you, um, you get married, and here's the weird thing. It's not like you got married and became selfish. You were that before. You just happen to now be right next to someone who is committed to love you and they're near you all the time and they're going, uh, what are you doing? Why would you do that? It's like, and they're like a, a living mirror. And they're like, this is what you look like because I'm here all the time and I have to put up with it and I don't love it. Right? This is some, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's the two streams to come together. There's some white water, right? That's okay. But it's, it's not that you weren't selfish before, it's that the relationship brought it out and, and helped you see who you are. And by God's grace, you change, you grow, you go, I can't do this to another person I'm so close to, and you become something, you transform. Now, you don't have to be married to do that. Single people can do this too. You get in close relationship, you get in good friendship with people who are honest enough with you and say, hey, this is kind of what it's like to be close to you, to be your friend, to be around you. And, and by, by doing that, we, we change. This is how we are formed, how we are, are shaped. It's a powerful thing. And then finally this, um, we are shaped by our environment. And so from a Christian perspective, I would say it this way, we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit is, is part of that environment, which means you're not just shaped by the values that are on display at the local coffee shop and the music and the, and the culture that kind of surrounds us. We're not, we're not just shaped by whatever Plan 9 says is cool today or whatever, like the, all of the things that kind of float out there in culture. We, are, we have God's Spirit at work in us. So we're, we're kind of in a different environment. We're, we're swimming in different water here. We are, we are kingdom people. We are not just shaped. I, I don't have to evaluate Richmond based on just Richmond, but I can think about what is the kingdom and, and what does it mean for us. So we are uh, kingdom people who have the spirit at work in us. This, this is the way. This is the way to become who God is calling us to be. This is the way to become like Jesus, to 
be with Jesus, to do what Jesus does, and become like who Jesus is. This is the path of discipleship. So we're going to jump into it full on, Luke chapter 4, uh, next week. And my hope and prayer is that by marinating in this, we will start to see the changes that are possible, and we will, um, we will truly start to transform and become who God is calling us to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for um, all the different things that you give us that shape us, the, the relationships, the environment, the habits, the, the beliefs that we have, all these things that form us. God, I, I thank you that we are malleable and, and able to flex and change even some of us who feel a bit hardened, um, there, there's, there's opportunity here. And so I thank you for that. And I pray that as we engage this process, uh, this growing process, this, this transformation process, it, it, it's powerful for us that, um, that you work on us so that, not so we can just become the best version of ourselves, but so that we can pour out for others, so that we can love you more and honor you more and obey you more, and then we can love our neighbors better because of the work that you're doing in our lives. God, help us to be better husbands, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, sons, daughters, all, all these parents, all these things, all these employees, all these relationships that we're in. Help us to be better at that by getting to know you more. Um, God, I thank you for the path of discipleship. Uh, may we all um, be your apprentices and do it well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.